0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. Today I have Claire Fagan on, who's the one who got me into the world of sourdough bread making. And we are going to just do a deep dive into sourdough to teach you guys everything you need to know about sourdough, how to get started, what tools you need all that good stuff. This is actually going to be a two-part interview because me and Claire just ended up talking for like literally an hour and a half. So instead of making you guys listen to that all in one go, I'm splitting it up into two. So today's episode is just going to be everything you need need to know about sourdough baking. And in next week's episode, we will be doing the Q&A for all the questions you guys asked about sourdough. But yeah, I can't wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Claire. I'm Miranda Lee, and you're listening to the Bread Therapy Mama Podcast, a show created for moms who want to feed their families foods that heal them, not hurt them. Food was meant to be our medicine, and the best way to do that is by focusing on the ingredients, not the calories. Here, you'll find everything you need to know about holistic nutrition sprinkled with some motherhood, faith, and non-toxic living along the way. I can't wait to grow with you. Let's dive in. All
1: right. All right. I'm so excited to talk sourdough. I have Claire on my podcast again, my favorite guest, I so I had to bring <laughs> <Hello>. her back. <laughs> so, thank you for coming on again.
2: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I like talking about sourdough any chance I get.
1: Oh my gosh, me too. You you've created a monster by getting me into <laughs> into sourdough, and then I've created a monster with my mom. She's like all into it now, and asking me a million questions and I'm sure you get a million questions too on your Instagram page about about sourdough I know I was asking you a million questions when I was first getting started
2: yeah I do I do get a lot of questions I even get people like emailing me sometimes like pictures of their bread being like did it is this right did something go wrong like what's going on here
1: I've been that person I've sent you pictures of bread before I was like what is wrong
2: Yeah. My mom just made a loaf. So I gave my mom some starter and she, because my mom's into it too. And she just made a loaf. I think it was on Easter and it came out like literally like a pancake. It was so flat. And she was like, what, like, what could I have done to do this? And I was like, honestly, unless you forgot to add starter in, I don't know. Like this, (laughs) this loaf was like beyond, I don't know. I like cannot diagnose it. It was so flat. And she was like, well, Jesus hasn't risen yet. So neither has my bread. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is so funny. I was doing like a a photo shoot a couple weeks ago and I had, you know, my, I did all the proofing for my loaf. But, like the only thing I needed to do next was literally put it in the oven yeah. and the photographer's like, you know, like roll it out, stretch it like for the photos. And I was like, okay, like, obviously, I'm not going to use this for, you know, my bread. And I was doing all this crazy stuff, like rolling it and stretch just doing all this stuff. And then I was like, I don't want to waste it. Like, I guess I'll see how it turns out. And it turned out perfectly fine. Like it looked like a regular sourdough loaf. And I was like, how does this happen? Because like, we mess up when we're trying like super hard to make it perfect. And then I just like demolished my dough and it. I'm still eating it now. Like it it came out perfect.
2: No way. That's actually pretty crazy, huh?
1: Right? So so weird. And like sometimes my husband likes to laugh at me because I'll like kind of skip certain steps just to see like what happens and like Yeah. It ends up okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I do the same thing, like Especially with the first, like, I don't, it's honestly nice to sometimes do that. So, you know, what each step does and kind of where you can skimp if you need to, Mm -hmm. like sometimes I'll go to the farmer's market. I'll make bread on Sunday, but we'll go to the farmer's market, like during the first proof. And I'm like, is it going to be okay if I don't do a couple of the turns and it's always fine. And I'm like, okay, good to know. Sometimes it's just nice to know what you, what you can mess with. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I think that's why people shouldn't be so intimidated. Cause like, it's really not that strict of like, you have to do this. I know a lot of people are intimidated mm-hmm. by sourdough and they're like, Oh no, all these steps. Like I'm going to mess it up. Like the first time I did it, I had no idea what I was doing. I, there were some steps I didn't need to do. And I, and I like was doing it multiple times and yeah. it came out fine. So yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you could okay. do it perfectly and it'll come out bad. So
2: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Like, what is that about? I, I really do feel like it has a lot to do with you having a good sourdough culture. And the rest is like, it. it's just gonna make it like a little bit better, like you're gonna have a little bit better tension, or you're gonna be able to score it better, or you're gonna have a little bit better crumb just with your method. But I feel like the real battle is getting a good culture.
1: Yeah, and, and we'll get into that. But first, I guess, for those who maybe haven't listened to our previous episode together you want to just kind of introduce yourself we've like already started this episode we're already like five minutes deep but (laughs) let's um, why don't you just tell everyone like like what you do and also like your story how you got into sourdough
2: yeah um my name is Claire Fagan um I live in Los Angeles and I am My, like, main job, I suppose, or thing that I do is that I'm a florist, um, mostly for production, so, like, music videos and um, different types of sets, photo shoots and things like that. Um, But then when COVID happened and I had a lot less uh, floral work, I started kind of diving really deep into a lot of my hobbies that I've had since childhood. I was homeschooled when I was younger, so had a lot of time just to, like, explore and um, you know, figure out what I like to do and be crafty. And, um, so I kind of dove back into a lot of those things. Um, my main sort of hobbies are sourdough baking, um, knitting, gardening, um, and then of course just, you know, cooking and, um, also my flower work. So, um, it's kind of what I do. And I got into sourdough, um, I think I've always just had a draw towards um things that are kind of old-fashioned. I don't know. Like when I was younger and homeschooled, like my sister and I played pioneers all the time constantly. Like I've always just been attracted to like the traditional way of doing things. And I've never even liked baking. Like I've never been the person who's like volunteering to make cookies for the gathering or anything like that. But when it comes to sourdough, um I don't know, there's just something about the natural culture of yeast that excited me versus like a quick yeast and um the health benefits of course um were exciting to me so um I kind of got started baking sourdough and just from there I feel like uh I've gotten better and better over the years which um makes it more and more fun to do when you feel like you're like doing it successfully. And I've shared a little bit about my sourdough journey and a lot of my recipes and stuff on my YouTube, which is called farm dream. Um, and yeah, it's just been a really fun thing for me to do on the weekends and a good way for me to, um, you know, host people. Like if you are hosting people, like you have family coming in town or something and you make bread, your house smells amazing. There's something good to eat. Like it's just the best process. So, kind of my little sourdough journey
1: yeah that's yeah you've definitely been making it a lot longer than me I mean you're the one who taught me how to make it so so
2: wild you were actually the first I think I told you this but you were the first person who I didn't know in real life who like used my recipe or I think you used my recipe Mm -hmm. I don't know or you tagged me you tagged me in your in Your bread post, and I showed my boyfriend JB, and I was like, Look, and he was like, Do you know her? And I was like, No, I don't know her. This is so exciting, and so, um, I don't know, yeah, it, like totally made my day/slash week/slash year when that <laughs> happened.
1: I, I bet that like half of your YouTube views on that um video uh, is me because every single time <laughs> I make sourdough, I like bring it back up,
2: pull it back you know, up, rewatch it. it.
1: Yeah, because...
2: Well, what got you into sourdough?
1: I think what got me into sourdough was, like, and what got me into... I mean, I don't know if if you read this yet, because you're my first guest on my new rebranded podcast. Like, this podcast is called Bread Therapy now. It's not called... Oh, no way. Yeah.
2: I didn't know that. I thought you just titled our Zoom meeting that. That's so cool. Oh,
1: no. That's what the podcast is called now, because, like, literally sourdough... Changed my life, like no it it did, and like for me, like bread stands for a lot. Like first with like with diet culture, bread was always like the biggest no no. Like bread was like I would cut it out for years and years, like growing up, like don't have bread. And then I started eating it again, and it turned out I was allergic. That I have a gluten allergy, um, and then that was hard when like I really couldn't eat it, and um. And then I've, after having my baby, I was struggling, you know, with postpartum depression. And I was like, my whole identity, like growing up and being an adult, has been like fitness. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to work out the same way. So I was like, what can I do like in my house that I don't know that is just like a new hobby that's not fitness? And then my New Year's resolution was I wanted to be more self sufficient. So I was like, all right, I guess we'll start with bread. And I can't make regular bread because of my gluten allergy. And I don't have an intolerance to sourdough because the fermentation process really breaks down the gluten. So sourdough has never irritated me. So I was like, I guess I'll make sourdough. So, you know, that's what got me into sourdough. And then it honestly like pulled me out of my postpartum depression because I was like, there's so much more to life than just like fitness and nutrition. And even though like I would preach that all the time, Like it was literally my job was, you know, fitness and nutrition. So to say like, oh, it's not your whole life, but it's like, "Mm, it's my job. Like my business is centered around fitness and nutrition was like really depressing. So then making the bread, I just found like this whole new world of like homemaking and kind of like homesteading and just, I don't know, like this food that we used to think was like bad for us. It's it's not, first of all, like, this is literally two ingredients, barely, I mean, if water is an ingredient, and then I guess yeah. you can say three if you add salt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, it's just so cool. And like, so yeah, like, sourdough literally pulled me out of my postpartum depression, got me into the whole homemaking stuff. And then, you know, with my faith as well, like bread represents like the body of Christ, you know, uh-huh. so I just feel like just bread covers everything. Uh-huh. So Yeah, that's kind of what got me into sourdough. And it's just opened up these doors to like so much more. So it's kind of why I wanted to kind of rebrand from like the anti-diet culture to more like, all right, like, let's like dive deep into nutrition. Like, what is actually nutrition? Because to call bread something that's literally three ingredients bad for you is ridiculous. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, that's so cool. I actually... I feel like I didn't realize that. Like I didn't realize the rebrand and I didn't realize, I guess I also didn't realize you were so new to baking. I don't know. You just are so good at it. Like every time I see you post something, you just like killed it and killed it and killed it again. Um, But I love that. And I love the way that it represents so many different things in your life. And isn't it the best freaking feeling of all time when like, like, I don't know bunch of different things in your life come together and you're like ah like that wasn't for nothing it actually led me here and yeah I feel like it's cool that bread can represent so many things about you and your past and and who you've become because of your past and um I don't know that's just really cool I love that bread therapy is a cool name too
1: Thank you. Yeah, I was like, talking to my parents about this. And my dad thought it was so funny. He's like, if you would have told like an older version of you like this is where you are now. Like with bread, like bread kind of being the center of everything you're doing, like you wouldn't believe it. And I'm like, Oh, 100%. Yeah,
2: that's wild. That's very cool, though. I love that.
1: Love so it. let's dive into the actual bread part. Because this is the part that people are <laughs> I get really intimidated by is the actual making because I feel like no one really talked about making sourdough until like COVID hit and then yeah and then people made it during COVID and then people stopped I feel yeah like. um yeah. and I I just I keep making it so and then yeah, you do too. too like you do it every Sunday I do it I think every Monday now is like when when I'll do it um so I guess let's. I think let's start with, like, the most confusing part, and that's the starter. I think that's okay. where everyone gets tripped up. So, okay, let's explain to them first, like, what is the starter and, like, why it makes sourdough special.
2: Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, So, starter is essentially... Um, An active culture of bacteria and wild yeasts. And I know that that probably is still confusing. So um, basically, whenever you mix flour, um, and you mix it with water, there are some bacterias and some wild yeasts on the wheat berries that flour is ground from. Um, And So whenever those wheat berries or, like, wheat kernels are ground into flour and then you mix them with water, um, hydrating those yeasts and then letting them sit over time, um, they'll start to ferment and you'll get this, like, active culture of living bacteria. And essentially, if you, like, feed it over time and you take good care of it, it's kind of like having a plant in a way. Like, you have to water it, um, you have to make sure that it's, like, you know, not running out of nutrients, but as long as you do, and as long as you give it time, it will literally just get like better and better. It'll get a deeper flavor. um, The bacteria and yeast will become more robust and you'll have a natural way to leaven bread.
1: Okay. So I think to sum that up real quick is it's just, it like, when it comes to bread, it's like the substitute substitute for yeast in regular bread, So when you're making sourdough, you don't need actual yeast because you have the starter.
2: Yes. So there's like a natural leavening, which is what sourdough is. And then there are um, quick yeasts, which are like, you know, everyone's used to quick yeast to make like, you know, Easter bread or whatever. Um, And basically you don't need those quick yeasts, which are like the modern... substitute for a natural yeast like sourdough because the sourdough takes longer to do it's more involved um, but you don't need that quick yeast when you have a natural culture of sourdough starter
1: Can I just say at first I thought you were saying quickies
2: <laughs> I say it too fast yeah quick yeast not quickies <laughs> Actually,
1: you want to hear the funniest thing ever that has mm-hmm. to do with your video <laughs> so for the longest time I th- I thought that the bench scraper I thought it was called a bitch scraper
2: oh my god
1: and I swore that's what you said so first of all like I don't cuss so I was like no like this is what it's called like oh my- Claire said it's called a bitch scraper so i would google i was like gonna get my own and (laughs) my husband's like oh i've seen those before like i can get you one i was like yeah it's called a bitch scraper and then i don't know how i found out i think i kept googling bitch scraper and it wouldn't come up and then Uh finally i realized it was bench (laughs) i'm not even positive still (laughs)
2: yeah it's bench that's the funniest thing I, I guess I don't know if it's like my Texas accent or what or if I just talk too fast but bench scraper yeah that's so funny that's so funny oh my gosh
1: and I kept referencing it as that I was like all right like you got to get your bitch scraper out
2: (laughs) and I was like you know it's old-fashioned like there's
1: probably a story like why they they named it that but like I was not questioning it and that's That's what I called it for the longest time
2: (laughs) oh my gosh that's hilarious
1: all right anyways back to the starter (laughs) I just had to share that with you because I I have never told anyone because it was so embarrassing
2: that's so funny
1: all right so i
2: think you're telling me you're welcome
1: and that's all i hear now quickies and bitch scrapers
2: quickies and bitch scrapers that's what we're talking about here
1: We are a new band name (laughs) (laughs) so with with starter i know this is where i got confused originally and i would keep messaging you so there's starter discard and leaven and they're literally all the same thing. What you taught me, <laughs> yeah. it's literally all the same thing. It's just what you are using it for. So can you explain, like, what, like, I guess the difference between all three of them?
2: Yeah. So, yeah, it, the di- the difference, well, I'll tell you what they are. But you're right that the difference is, is what you're using them for. They're also typically at different stages in their, um, like, like hunger, <laughs> I suppose. Um, so starter is what we just talked about. It's that culture of wild bacteria and yeasts. Um, and it is basically what you use. It's, it's ongoing. Like you always have it. Um, you feed it. And whenever you feed it, you discard some of it. So when it needs a feed, you'll be able to tell because it'll kind of smell more strong, more vinegary, maybe even alcoholy. Um, and it'll be the consistency of kind of like a pancake batter. Um, and at that point, you know, it's time to feed it. Um, whenever you do, you're going to discard some of it and then you're going to add in more flour and more water. You don't have to discard, but if you don't discard some, you'll just keep accumulating like mass of starter, which you don't necessarily need. Um, and so this discard is starter, but it's unfed starter and you can use it in, Um, recipes that don't require a lot of lift they don't require a lot of leavening so some examples might be a scone because scones are more crumbly they don't need to be like cakey or fluffy Um, pancakes are another one Um, what else you have some I'm sure
1: I do just like a lot of like just discard recipes but I think the one thing that's a little confusing is sometimes they say discard but they want it to be fed so it's so discard can still be fed, I guess, if you have, like, your starter and you fed it, and then you only yeah. use, like, a scoop of it, right? And then, like, the rest of it's still technically discard, but it's fed discard.
2: Yeah, so, and I think that on the flip side of that, sometimes a recipe will call for discard, but even adding it, if you have, like, a really robust culture, like, even adding unfed starter will still rise your... Mm-hmm. What you're making too much, like if you're making crackers, like sometimes I find that even adding discard, like I come up, I come like at the end of making crackers, I have like little like biscuits, like they're like not like they rose too much to be a cracker. So it can be tough, but essentially discard is unfed starter that you use in recipes to kind of get the sour taste without a lot of lift. Um, and then on the opposite end of that spectrum, leaven is starter that you feed specifically for a recipe. So you usually feed it like typically, depending on what recipe you feed it really similarly to how you just feed your starter. Um, but you're going to use that specific um, mix, I guess, for whatever you're baking. And then your starter, like I said, like that's just kind of what remains like you'll continue feeding it you'll make sure you have it at all times whereas the discard can be discarded and the leaven can be used you don't need to keep either of those around to have this like ongoing culture
1: I will say I've never discarded anything like discarded isn't like thrown it away
2: really I've never thrown it away and And that's because you're like an avid baker though that's because you're baking like all the time
1: yeah I mean I'm I am just like, I kind of like find myself in a situation where like, okay, I need to feed the starter just to have more starter (laughs) because like, I don't have enough discard, but like, there's (laughs) just so many things you can like do with discard. Like you can make like, um, like a pizza crust out of it. You know, I like doing that. Or I've even seen recipes. I don't do this because I don't know. I don't have active yeast, but you can still use the discard and then add, you know, the active yeast or dry yeast or whatever to make oh, it rise uh, um yeah
2: so you still have that like sourdough flavor but you're not necessarily relying only on this this sourdough discard for the rise yeah that makes sense I've never done it either but it makes sense
1: yeah my mom somehow um the other day she was like what are some discard recipes and I was like oh and let me let me think and she opens her fridge and she has three giant mason jars full of starter <laughs> And that's exactly what you said because she would feed the whole thing, so then she keep getting more and more and more and just accumulating all this starter. And I was like, Yeah, oh, you're gonna have to do somewhere like you add yeast to make bread or or something because that's a lot. That's of, a lot. Yeah, a lot of unfed starter.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is kind of painful to just like toss it down the drain, but I do it and have done it like a thousand times. Sometimes I'm just like, I just don't feel like baking right now i just gotta feed it but, yeah, I, yeah i think the
1: easiest thing for me is like i make the pizza crust out of it and then i freeze it and you then sweat. whenever we want to do pizza we just take it out and i've even like done like some like pre-making the pizzas where i'll do it's literally like, you just take the discard and you put it in a hot um cast iron and then you put it in the oven for like minutes and it turns literally into a crust and then I'll put like pasta sauce or pizza sauce whatever and then some cheese and then I'll just put it in foil and throw it in the freezer and yeah that's how I use most of my discard so then
0: like on nights
1: that we don't want to like we don't want to cook or like even like oh go to walmart and get a frozen pizza we don't we don't do that because we have the frozen sourdough pizza and then we'll either put vegetables or chop chop up like a chicken sausage or something and throw it in the oven and it comes out perfect
2: dang no way that's cool i never knew that
1: yeah you don't have to add anything like it's literally just the discard in the in the cast iron you don't have to add
2: anything how hot do you get the cast iron
1: so i think like i just i'll put it in the oven while it's preheating Uh and then and then once the oven's like ding you know i'm at my 400 degrees or whatever i'll I'll take it out and then i'll just throw some olive oil and then just put the discard in
2: no way that's so cool i want to try that
1: you should yeah let me let me know how it goes and it tastes like amazing
2: Really? No way. Cool. That's awesome. Nice.
1: Yeah, my dad and I were trying to figure out waffles too because we were doing it with just the discard in like the little waffle machine and it Uh would taste amazing because like sourdough just has the best flavor but it was like really dense Uh so we found if you like take some discard, add a little like eggs a little bit of baking soda and I don't Know if we added like almond milk or not, but it makes it like thinner. And we put it in the waffle and then the waffle maker, and it was still airy but had that sourdough flavor. So, sourdough is just fun because you can just like play with it and see what works, you know?
2: Yeah, you totally can. You're right that like it does seem scary, but the more you can just play around with it and kind of learn how it works the more you realize there's so many ways to use it and opportunities and it's not actually that freaky. It's just kind of fun to have around.
1: Yeah, it's so fun. I think like the first after like the first two rounds of baking, I started to feel like, all right, I understand the process now it's making sense. Then we yeah. can kind of, you know, veer off the road a little bit or, or try different things. And that's why I think everyone should make sourdough because it's so like so versatile. There's so much you can do with it.
2: Yeah, totally agree.
1: So what do you do with your starter? Do you keep it on the counter or do you put it in the fridge?
2: I put it in the fridge. I feed it like every, like, mm, I'd be lying if I told you it was every week. I would say it's like every two plus weeks, to be honest. And um, I keep it in the fridge. Um, Whenever I feed it, I'll leave it out on the counter until it's like at peak pretty much. And then I'll just close the jar and put it in the fridge.
1: Okay, so that's how you, you do it. I, I think I like. So you know, you, you and I are the same. Like we have like a specific day we make our sourdough. So normally uh-huh. I'll like take it out the day before, like the morning before, and just uh-huh. let it like kind of get the room to room temperature a little bit, and uh-huh. then I'll you know make my leaven and let it sit for the day, and uh-huh. then you know, just put the discard or the rest just back in the fridge, like whatever I didn't use, and then yeah, I
2: actually yes I do that too because. I've so many times I've like baked mine or something, or like something's gone wrong with like the leaven or the culture that I like just fed. So I realized that if I wasn't keeping behind like the discard, oh my gosh, like I, I get so stressed now. It's like, I'm in a situation where like I don't have extra um, discard. So like, you're right. Like as much as I toss discard, I try and make sure that at all times I have like an act, like a really active culture that's just been fed. And, or like inactive culture that needs to be fed because number one it just like opens up the possibilities for what you can make at any given time you can make discard recipes or like highly levied recipes but also you just have that backup in case you bake your starter or I don't know what someone messaged me the other day and she was like oh my gosh I threw my starter away I can't believe it and I was like it's okay I've like baked mine a million times and it's it's stressful, but yeah, good to always have just like an extra somewhere.
1: Yeah, because there's I've had one time where I you know put my starter in like the oven to just sit there right yeah. overnight, and then like my cousin preheated the oven like oh, she wasn't even baking yeah. anything, preheated it, and I caught it you know, after a couple minutes and it was like all big and bubbly and I used it and it still worked out. Okay. Like it still worked out, but I was like, if I would have forgot, then I wouldn't have had, you know, I wouldn't have had 100%. any more starter. I think
2: I brought my oven all the way up to like 400 once with it inside with my, um, starter inside. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's a tough thing to do. I'm always like, uh, kicking myself every time I do that. But luckily my mom has some of my culture. So if worse comes to worse, give me some back. Um, But
1: yeah. I think my biggest mistake has been like, in your directions. you say, you know, put the Dutch oven in there, like preheat it to 500, right for like 30 minutes. And then you take it out and you put your bread in and you bring it to 425. There's been multiple times I forgot to bring it down to 425. And it's just turned into like a black brick.
2: Yes. No, mine's literally a rock. I did that like two weeks ago. And I was like, are you serious? Like, it's funny how you can do it so many times and still do that kind of thing. Or also when I was, it was, I had my loaves like on their second ferment in the oven and started the oven so I could bake them like within the hour. But I left them in the oven. Like I was like, and they were like cooking in their proofing baskets. And they have a kitchen towel over them that like, um it got burned, but it got burned in the weirdest way. My brother was in town when I did this and we pulled the kitchen towel out and it looked like it had like two boob marks on it. Like it like (laughs) burned with like two like circles with like little dots. And we were like, why did that happen? We're like, what is this booby towel? (laughs) (laughs) There's just so many uh, mistakes you can make, but it, you know, it's it comes with the territory. It's like a science experiment almost every time. And so it can be scary. But as long as you have a little bit of extra culture, like you just learn from those mistakes.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like, I don't know, I feel like I've made less mistakes than I was expecting to because of how intimidated intimidated I was by sourdough. And, like, it's all, it's, like, a learning lesson. Like, you and I were talking about before, like, you kind of get to see and experiment with what steps you can kind of skip and what steps, like, you can't. Like, I know, um, like, I think I I messaged you about it, like, in the beginning. I was like, all right, like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, I still have another 4-hour proof, like. I'm so tired and you're like just put it in the fridge you know and pick up where you left off like the following day and that's the cool thing about you know the sourdough is you put it in the fridge and it just slows everything down which yeah. you know going back to the starter that's why you and I keep it in the fridge so you don't have to feed it as often um yeah. if you if you do keep it out on the counter it's like you have to feed it you know every day or twice day. I, I know some people do it twice a day I don't have time for that I don't have enough flour for that uh-huh. um, So that's why I keep it in the fridge. I'm sure that's why you keep it in the fridge too. Otherwise it's, it's it's even more work.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: And I I realized one of the steps that I can, I wouldn't even say skip, but I kind of changed is for the four hour, the second four hour proof. If I like put it in the fridge for like eight, 10, 12 hours, it kind of substitutes for the four hour proof.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It slows it down,
1: definitely. I guess.
2: Yeah, it does.
1: And that yeah. like that, that worked for me a little better, so I can do like the first half, like you know, once I get home from whatever I was doing, and I was like, okay, from like four p.m. to like nine p.m., I can do the first half, and then I can throw it in the in the fridge, and then the following day in the morning, I can bake it, and then I'll have. Bread. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that's also a good thing for like if you um I don't know because like it's such a long process. Like from beginning to it takes like I would say around nine hours. No, plus baking time. It's more like ten or twelve. But um it's nice whenever you like, say you're having people over for dinner and you want to have bread, like Either you're going to have the bread at like 9 p.m., or you can do this like other method where you're like able to make it the day before and throw it in the fridge and then bake it whenever you want to bake it. Um, So, yeah, just like being able to play around with different sort of methods and ways of doing it is always nice.
1: Yeah, because that's the thing with sourdough, you definitely have to be a little more like intentional. Like, you have to start, like, the day before a lot of the times.
2: And, like, when people ask
1: me how long it takes, I'm like, it takes 24 hours.
2: No, I mean, it does. It really does. And also the nice thing about the discard recipes is that they take a lot less forethought. Like, you don't have to feed your leaven before. All you have to do is have discard in the fridge. Um, They don't even, like, proof for very long. So that's, like, one of my favorite things about discard recipes is that it can be a quicker thing which is kind of why scones have replaced like cookies in our house like if we're we're making dessert it's always going to be scones because it's just quick and it's still a sourdough product so you like feel good about it but Mm -hmm. um yeah it is nice to have some back pocket recipes that are like like don't take 24 hours too because it's a process
1: yeah yeah exactly but I will say the cinnamon rolls Mm, My favorite so like recipe is so good. And I've made them I've made them vegan as well. Um, so substituted everything with, you know, almond milk or like vegan cream cheese and it still comes out. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I tried substituting it with gluten free flour.
2: I remember that I think not good. <laughs> yeah, my not dad good. was in, my dad was in town last weekend and I made some of my sourdough granola bread for him mm-hmm. and he's vegan and he was like eating it and he was like mm, this is so good like what's in it he was like butter and I was like Mm-mm. and he was like eggs and I was like Mm-mm. I was like literally nothing that you can't eat and it's that good like it's like I don't know he was like wow nice and I was like I know it's so few ingredients it's so good
1: Yeah. And I think another thing, like speaking of like the so few ingredients is like when you go to the store and you're buying bread and you look in the ingredients, like there's so many ingredients. And I think that's why a lot of people are always like, oh, that's all you need to make sourdough is flour and water. Like, yeah, that's it. First of all, bread should not have sugar. Sugar shouldn't be a main ingredient in bread. And then also what I've learned with cooking sourdough at home is like, honestly it goes bad faster because it doesn't have a bunch of preservatives faster than yeah. you know, if you were to buy it from the store
2: yeah um, I mean it even, like kind of gets stale faster and stuff but mm-hmm. it you know it's a price it's a price we pay and what's psycho and I feel like we kind of brushed on this last time in our or in our last episode we sort of talked about this what's psychotic to me about like store-bought bread and the things that are in it is that they use a flour that's been so stripped, like it's so like bleached and just like processed that it's so stripped of any kind of wild yeast or bacteria. So then they add in a quick yeast. So you have this like dead flour, quick yeast, and then you add in sugar because the flavor is not there. And it's like Mm -hmm. moving away from the easy way to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like it takes longer, it takes patience, but it's like kind of crazy to me. Like how much we'll sacrifice for the time. Um, and like, if you just like learn, I mean, I'm not a patient person, I would say sourdough taught me patience. Um, but it's crazy to me that, like, what we accept as bread is like, literally like cardboard powder with a quick yeast. And, and then they re they like add the the vitamins back in, it's like fortified with vitamin D. And you're like, it could have had that, or what you know what I mean if you hadn't stripped it in the first place, it's just wild to me
1: yeah it's it's crazy. I have a friend who um moved here from the Netherlands, and she said how in the Netherlands they eat like three sandwiches for like lunch and then three sandwiches for dinner, and like they literally have bread every day for every meal, and mm-hmm. she comes and she moves here and you know she's like it's weird how processed your your foods are your bread is and like how you have sugar in your bread um and then I guess during COVID she went back to the Netherlands and she said she lost like 20 pounds just going back there because like the ingredients like that's like the biggest thing you guys is like the ingredients matter it has nothing to do with like the food itself
2: what are we doing it's crazy
1: yeah I mean like people in you know Italy and um, Spain and like they eat pasta
2: Pasta, pizza, all day long. It doesn't upset their stomachs. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't upset
1: their stomachs. They don't struggle with obesity at the rate that Americans do. And it's because they have higher quality foods and grains Mm -hmm. and, and stuff that isn't as ultra processed that your body literally sees it as a foreign substance in your body.
2: Yeah. So when people are like, why do you make your own bread? It takes longer. You could just go buy it. This is why we make our own bread. Yes. This is it.
1: Yes. And it, it's just, it's so worth it. And it's just, it feels so different when you're enjoying something that you actually made.
2: Yeah, it like,
1: is. My blood, sweat and tears in this bread.
2: Literally. And I think we also talked about this a little bit in our last episode, but it it gives you a different perspective on bread. Like, like the bread from our past are like, sort of like diet culture mindset, like that bread is so it seems so different than the bread that you watch rise that you mix yourself that like your hands have made. Um, It's hard to demonize something like that, even if you have this like past of like easily being able to demonize bread.
1: Yeah, yeah. And trust me, in the beginning, it was definitely like, like a mental hurdle to go over, like okay i'm I made this bread and I'm eating it every day, you know, I'm eating it for breakfast every day with my eggs, and it's like there's nothing to feel bad or guilty about like this is what people did back in the day, and they didn't struggle with the things that we that we struggle with health wise, yeah, all right, so the next, so we talked about the starter. Um, I guess we can go over like the next couple steps and also some terminology. So the starter, you know, whether it's fed, unfed, um, discard, blah, blah, blah. Next is, you know, adding in the flour with the discard and the water. I like the order you do it in because you do water. And I mean, I, I don't know why I said discard the starter. So adding your water in the starter and making it milky first. I like yeah. that then adding the flour. Um I've seen other recipes where like they'll add the flour first and I'm like no. <laughs> yeah,
2: no. Wrong. I mean if you do that it's like going to for sure stick to the bottom of your bowl and trust me, I do it the way I do it because I have messed it up a bunch of times and ultimately you can't like, you know, it it as long as you give it a good mix it's going to be fine. But yeah, like okay, so after you have your, so we talked about leaven, and that's the starter that you make specifically for your recipe. So once your leaven is made and it's become fully active and it's fed, like you said, you mix it with the water and the flour. You let it sit for a little bit, and then you add in a little bit more water with salt. Um, the water just kind of helps that salt get mixed in really well. Um, and, then, and then once that's well mixed together, you start your first bulk fermentation. That takes four hours. And, and that's called a
1: pr- that's also called a proof.
2: Yes, a, so explain a explain that so a proof. Um,
1: that's why I made you explain it because I was like, a proofing is just
0: proofing.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, proofing is proofing. I mean, I will say that first fermentation though, that first proof um you do mix or not mix but you do these these like uh folds on your bread so you like pull your dough up out of the bowl and then fold it back over itself every half hour for the first three hours of that first four hour proof um which sounds confusing in my youtube video i kind of break it down and show you like 30 minutes you do this at one hour you do this at one hour and 30 minutes you do this Um, but I think that that part is kind of the most labor intensive, number one, and also the part that's probably the most, um, like turns people off to sourdough because they're like, okay, every 30 minutes for three hours, like I have to do this. Um, but that's one of the most, I I would say one of the most, um like encouraging parts of the process for me, at least, because the way that my, my dough is on the first turn at 30 minutes versus the way it is on the last turn at three hours, it's a completely different dough. It's like fluffier at the end. It's easier to deal with. Like, it just, it becomes like, uh, it goes from like this like shaggy wet mush to like this really beautiful, like stretchy kind of bubbly dough. Um, So that's the first proof. After that you do some kneading and some shaping and things like that. And then you put your bread into proofing bowls and you do another four hours. You get to leave our second proof, but it's another four hour proof. And then you bake it. So it's a long process.
1: Yeah. Definitely a long process, but I think like I think the first half's the hardest. And then the second half, you're like, all right, I can relax. Yeah. I just gotta yeah. get through the the first one.
2: Yes. But honestly, the baking part is one of the most stressful parts to me. Like I would say like the transfer, like the scoring and then the transfer into the Dutch oven. I'm always like, ah, like that is not my favorite part for sure.
1: Yeah, there's been times where I'll take the dough out of the proofing basket because you have to put it upside down. But then you have to like put it back and then put it on the parchment paper. And it'll just end up being so flat. But yeah and still rises totally fine in the oven Mm
0: -hmm. so Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah it it'll still end up it'll still end up okay but yeah that is like i'm like "Ah." i know
2: it's it's a lot of yeah
1: the scor- yeah the I, scor- really wish got- I was good at it
2: me too and I've never been good at it and I've always felt and I've tried different like when I was like making my recipe I tried like multiple different recipes and like methods and stuff to see because I've never had scorable bread like it's never been and I've looked up so many reasons why and it's like it could be too wet it couldn't have enough tin. it could not have enough tension like all these reasons and I was like you know what though like I'll do away with scoring if it means that my bread will like taste the way that it does and like have the crumb that it does. And I kind of like, sometimes I look at other people who are doing like literal flower gardens of scores in their bread. And I'm like, that's really cool. I don't know, though. It's just like not for me. Like it is not something that like is part of my process. And I've just kind of like given up like wishing that it was because I really like my bread the way that it is but yeah scoring has always been something that I feel like I've never been able to master
1: yeah me neither I uh, some tips that like because I was like looking up tips like I want to make yeah, bread like I one know. Like, you know putting the flat like putting flour on top before you yeah. score, like that helped a little bit but then like another one like they want you to score it and then like put it in the oven and then halfway through take it out and like go over the scores again. I'm like, nah, I don't got to do that. Oh
2: yeah, no. No, I mean, it's like, look, I'm making this because it's like nutritionally dense because it's delicious because it, you know what I mean? Like I'm not making it for the score. That doesn't mean I don't envy those who 100%. score really well. But yeah, I just like was like, you know what? This just, that's just a part of this that is not for me. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be good at it. But like, there'll be time from like, all right, like it's going good. And then I'm like, but I don't even know what design to do.
2: Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I've thought that I was going to like have a really pretty score. Like I was able to do like an olive branch type look. And I'm I'm like, JB, I think that today is going to be like my good score. Like it's time. And it comes out looking exactly the same as it's always looked. And I'm like, okay, where did it go? Like what happened to it in there?
1: Or sometimes I'll get my scores and like, they'll look good. But then because they're like, because of how it scored, like, the little tips of it will, like, get burnt, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah,
2: <do> <laughs> yeah, mine always just, like, has, like, just, like, a crack in the middle, honestly, so anything I score just gets, like, over, overridden, is that a word, by the crack, and I'm like, okay, well, it'll taste good.
1: Yeah, so. as long as it tastes good, I mean, you're not going to remember when you're slathering that sucker with butter. So you're
2: not, no, I mean you're going to cut it open anyway. But for anyone who doesn't know what scoring is, cause I guess we didn't really talk about that. It's essentially just making a cut in the top of your dough before you bake it, which just allows steam and heat and gas to escape during the bake. Um, so that your bread doesn't explode. Um, just kind of creates a, like a little like getaway hole.
1: I was going to ask, have you ever not scored your red and saw what happened?
2: Yeah, actually. And it kind of like, it kind of like exploded out the side a little bit. But I was like, Mm -hmm. what's the big deal with that? Like, it's either going to come out the top or the side. I don't know. Like, because I don't do pretty stuff, I'm like, does it really matter?
0: Right. As long as it tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to pause this conversation because we're going to get into the question and answer portion next. And that is going to be in next week's episode. So to help you guys out, I created a Sourdough 101 blog post on my website. So just go to breadtherapymama.com and check out the blog and it will have links and recipes and everything, including the recipe to Claire's sourdough bread and her starter as well. So go check it out. Thank you all for joining me in another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. If you like this kind of content, check out my blog for recipes, how-tos, product recommendations, and more. Just go to breadtherapymama.com. I'll see you all in the next episode.